be referring to additional text as well. For our main scripture today, you can find it in your bulletin. We're going to read from Romans 5.1, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, and Galatians 5.22. But before we read, let's together pray. Father in heaven, um, we are thankful that you are a God who speaks. And Lord, we have come this morning because we want to hear. So Lord, we pray that you would open up our ears and that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds to hear from you and your holy word today. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, our home, uh, home verse for this summer, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So peace peace. It very well might be one of the most sought after but least attained virtues of our time. We all want peace, but few actually know how to feel its presence in our daily lives or where to find it. And even worse, when we're not at peace with others, we're left clueless about how to repair what's been broken and damaged. The reality is, is that we can look all around us and we see evil, chaos, and destruction out there in the world. Scanning the front page of popular news websites earlier this week, some of the headlines read, the, read, read as follows. FBI app lures global criminals into police hands. Former officers explain killings by police. Canada school survivor, we experienced all levels of abuse. Growing hate crimes against Asian Americans. California road rage suspects charged in the death of a young boy. We read and we see headlines like this each and every day, and there seems to be no end in sight. There seems to be no peace in the world, but rather fear, uncertainty, evil, crime, pain, and disorder. How is it possible to find peace in a world filled with tragedy and destruction? It's hard enough to find peace when we see brokenness all around us, but we see that same evil chaos and destruction take root in our very own lives as well. Maybe your children simply just refuse to get along. They're always loudly arguing. They say hateful things to one another or to you. You just want peace in the midst of chaos. And real peace, we think, is when our kids quietly get along and play nice and quiet together. Maybe someone you loved was taken from your life and you daily wonder why. Why did this happen? Real peace, we think, would be having that person back. Maybe someone has said some unfair or untrue things about you and damaged your reputation or completely wrecked your self-confidence. And although you try to close your eyes at night and sleep, their words take deep root in your head and your heart. And real peace would come, we think, when an apology or recognition that we were wronged came from the person who hurt us. 
Or maybe you've been physically or emotionally or verbally abused and you've never told anyone your story and you're living in constant fear and anxiety. And that trauma that you've experienced seems to never go away. And real peace, we think, will only come when our minds can escape the wrongs that have been done to us. You see, it's really hard to find peace when we look at the world around us, but it's even harder to find peace when we look at our own lives. Peace seems so, 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 so hard to find. It seems to be absent. And we all want it, but we don't know where to go to find it. I think we sometimes are tempted to believe, and the world teaches us, that peace can only come when one of these two things are possible. One, that the things that trouble us are taken away and removed from our lives, or secondly, when the things that we love that have been taken from us are given back to us. Let me say that again. We sometimes are tempted to believe, and the world teaches us, that peace can only come when the things that trouble us are taken away and removed from our lives, or secondly, when the things that we love that have been taken from us are given back to or restored to our lives. Not only are we searching for peace in the midst of difficult situations we see in the world and in our lives, but we get comfortable not living at peace with those around us. We gossip and we slander others. We fire off emails attacking those who disagree with us. We sarcastically joke and say mean things to our coworkers or our friends, which in the moment we're acting like we're simply joking, but in the back of our minds we're really saying what we believe is true. We tend to go towards those who agree with us and we vent or speak wrongly about those who oppose us or who we're in disagreement with. And oftentimes it feels that because of the conflict that we create or in the way that we are hurt by others and the ways in which we hurt those around us, that all is not so well with our souls. You see, we get comfortable not living at peace with those around us and we all too often don't desire to do the hard work to restore peace in relationships that we have broken or destroyed. And so today, we're going to begin to think briefly together about what it looks like to know real peace that only the Spirit of God can give his people in troubling and anxious times. And we'll begin to think together about how we can strive for peace with those around us. So this morning, my message is centered around three simple points, and they're a little bit different than what's in your bulletin if you pay attention to those things. They're very similar. First point is this. Followers of Christ have peace with God. Secondly, Followers of Christ strive for peace with others. And third, followers of Christ receive mind-boggling peace in troubling and anxious times. So first, followers of Christ have peace with God. I often ask the younger students at IPC, what's your biggest problem in life? I get to work with our middle school students and our high school students. And most of them will think, but often not say, my grades, that's my big problem. My lack of popularity, the boring summer ahead of me, my lack of a phone or the app that my parents won't let me download, the chores that my parents have asked me to do but I'm dreading and don't want to do. Sometimes we think those are silly things, but they're not. Those are real things to a sixth grader. This morning, though, I want to ask you the same question. What is your biggest problem in life? For a Christian, the Bible tells us over and over and over again that our biggest problem is our sin and our sinning. Sin is not only what we do when we break God's law, but it's also when we don't do what God tells us to do, right? To love our neighbor when we see someone in need. To see someone and to see a need and to know what's right and then to fail to actually do it. But sin is even more than that. It's, it's who we are. It's a part of our nature. Sin is a part of our very DNA. In Jeremiah, we hear this. The heart is the most deceitful above all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Because of our sin and because of our sinning, we deserve God's displeasure and his wrath. 
Paul says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. And what he's saying is that because of our sin, we've earned death for ourselves. What this means for us is that apart from Christ, we are enemies of God, that we are living in opposition to and at enmity with him. Paul very bluntly talks about who we, the followers of Christ, once were before God showed us his goodness and his grace. He says that we were once children of wrath, that we were people who were once dead in our trespasses and our sins. We didn't have a spiritual compass to anything godly or to God the Father himself. And we were all following the course of the world and the devil. People who live apart from Christ are not at peace with God. So how can people lost in sin have peace with God? Peace with God can only be attained for those who are lost in sin through faith in Christ and his work of redemption for his lost people. It's so simple, but it's so hard to understand and it's so hard to believe. That's so true. This is what Paul is getting at in Romans 5.1 when he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Although the peace that the Spirit cultivates in our life is a different kind of peace than what Paul is getting at here in Romans, this peace with God that Jesus achieved for us with his Father through his perfect life, his redemptive and atoning death, and his powerful resurrection from the dead is the only basis, it's the only basis for how we can begin to know the Spirit of God, what, know this peace that the Spirit of God promises to bring into our lives, the spiritual fruit of peace. If we're not at peace with God, we will never find godly peace with those around us or peace in troubling and anxious times. If we're not at peace with our Father in heaven, we will only know a worldly kind of peace which always seems to be lacking. If we're not at peace with our Father in heaven, we will not be at peace with those around us, even those who wrong us and disappoint us. If we're not at peace with God, we will not have the desire to repair relationships that we have broken. And this peace with God that Jesus has attained for those who know and love him is the reason that God's people now have the Holy Spirit who is actively at work in our lives to show us more and more our sin and our sinning and who gives us a desire to make peace with those that we have wronged and those who have wronged us. Because we, God's people, are at peace with God our Father through the work of the Son, we have been given God's Holy Spirit who reconfigures our hearts to be a people who love and strive for peace in everywhere around us. So this peace with Jesus, uh, this peace that Jesus attained for us on the cross, it's the only basis for how we can begin to know the peace that the Spirit of God promises to bring into our lives if we are God's new people. So secondly, followers of Christ strive for peace with those around them. In his one-of-a-kind book on what it looks like to be a peacemaker um, in the world, Ken Sandy writes this, that peacemakers are people who breathe grace. They draw continually on the goodness and the power of Jesus Christ, and then they bring his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his strength and his wisdom to the conflicts of daily life. God delights to breathe his grace through peacemakers and use them to dissipate anger, improve understanding, promote justice, and encourage repentance and reconciliation. Ken Sandy then goes on to share four principles that are super practical but are super important for those who strive for peace and who strive to breathe grace in the world. The first is this, that our motivation in every situation would be to glorify God, 1 Corinthians 10. That we would get the log out of our own eye. Jesus said something about that in the Sermon on Mount, Matthew 7, 5. That we would gently restore relationships that, it, that we have broken, Galatians 6, 1. 
and that we would go and be reconciled to those that we have wronged and those who have wronged us, Matthew 5. We all know how difficult it is to be at peace with those around us, don't we? Don't we? It's hard to be at peace with those around us. A show Ashley and I have been watching lately recently displayed a scene where a woman was backing her car up as she left church, and she uh, significantly backed in, damaged and backed into her pastor's car, um, leaving the church. So watch out for my car. It's over by the Gaga pit. Um, anyways, this is how the scene plays out. Both parties, they blame one another um, because the pastor's car was parked in a fire zone, and so they were blaming one another. Um, then small incident brewed in each of their lives. And sarcasm and blame shifting occurred in all of their follow-up conversations. These two people weren't at peace with one another. And we know what that's like. We're in these situations every day. Eventually, they came to their senses and they apologized and they worked out a compromise. Since they both made a mistake, they'd split the cost and they forgave one another. Both people wanted peace. And part of living at peace with one another meant that they each had to look at themselves and get the log out of their own eye and extend forgiveness and grace to one another to go and be reconciled in their, if their relationship was to be restored. This is really what the Apostle Paul says over and over and over and over and over and over again. For those who, who are at peace with God and who have, been re- who have received salvation, we are to be a people of peace, people who breathe grace, a people who love peace, where we daily extend forgiveness to those who've wronged us and we quickly ask for forgiveness when we wrong those around us. God over and over again calls his people to be people who love and work for peace with others. Here's a sampling from scripture. Romans 12 and 14. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone and make every effort to do what leads to peace. 2 Corinthians 13. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, Ephesians 4. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And finally, Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. As you hear these words from scripture read, it may be a good moment to stop and to think, who are you not at peace with today? And what are you going to do about it? Or another way to ask the question is this. Who do you need to go and talk to today? Who have you wronged in secret or in public? And is God's spirit calling you to go and to reconcile with the person that you've harmed? God's spirit gladly shows us the dysfunction and the disorder around us that we have created. And he gives us the desire to go and to do something about it. To go and to reconcile with those around us to glorify our Father in heaven. And his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, which is in the bookstore, I mentioned it at the 8.30, it might be gone now, but it's a great book. The book is called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. Christopher Wright states these six principles that I think are very important for us to consider. This is what he says. We should seek to address and resolve conflicts among ourselves rather than adding to them or causing them in the first place. Second, We should be careful to avoid the kind of words and attitudes that easily create misunderstanding and division. Third, we should be quick to apologize and say sorry, even if we're not, strictly speaking, the ones in the wrong. Sorry may be the hardest word, but it is often the first one that leads back to peace. Fourth, 
We shouldn't jump to defend ourselves when things are said or done against us, but allow God to vindicate the truth in his own time. Paul said it is better to suffer wrong than to take Christians to court. Fifth, we need to follow carefully the instructions of Jesus on how brothers and sisters should deal with grievances against one another, Matthew 18, rather than just going public in, in the press or on blogs, etc., about other people. And lastly, above all, we should avoid all kinds of gossip about others and learn the strict discipline of keeping confidences. A few questions. Are you a peacemaker who breathes grace to those around you? Are you learning the art of quickly asking for forgiveness and saying sorry? Are you trying as much as you can to think of others around you as being better than yourself? Are you going to those, or are you going to those who you may be at disagreement with to come to an understanding, even though it feels like agony and death at the moment? Are you cautious when you speak because you want to say what is right and what is good and what is true? Are you, telling, are, are you more consistently going directly to those who've wronged you first rather than telling the whole world at lunch. If any of these things are true in your life, the fruit of God's spirit is at work. Praise the Lord. Or do you claim to be a Christian but continually lack the desire to cultivate peace in the areas and the spaces that God has placed you? If the word sorry is a foreign word you feel in your heart and one that has never been spoken sincerely from your lips, if you constantly tear others down and you feel absolutely no remorse, if rather than having a desire to resolve conflict, you take joy in adding to it and then taking a step back to watch. If you use words or phrases that in your heart you know will cause division and confusion in the church or in your work or your home. If you always hit back ten times harder when someone tears you down. If you regularly skip the process that Jesus gives in Matthew 18 and instead gossip and slander someone who's wronged you. If any of these or all of these things are usually or always true about you, you have to wonder if you really are a Christian if you really are God's child. Although Christians are not perfect by any means, God's spirit promises to work this fruit of peace into the lives of those who love Jesus and who Jesus loves. And if the spirit's work is not evident in your life, that should be a sign for you to call out to God in repentance and faith, asking Jesus to change you and to make you his child. Many people love the title Christian, but only those who are called by God and you have his spirit, will love peace and work for it in their daily lives. So Christians are at peace with God, and they strive for peace with others around them. And third and finally, followers of Christ receive mind-boggling peace in troubling and anxious times. I remember 9-11 vividly. As a high school student, I walked into my Spanish class around 8.55 a.m., and our teacher had the TV on. My classmates and I watched as Matt Lauer and Katie Couric tried to describe what had happened. At this moment, the world thought that this was simply a terrible accident. About six, about six minutes later, I watched in disbelief as the second plane sped into the view of the camera and crashed into the second tower. Words were now hard to find. The news anchors surprisingly held it together pretty good, but words were fleeting. And you could sense that they and the world were now in panic and shock and in disbelief. Everyone watching the TV that morning knew in that moment that this was no longer an accident, but an attack. Fear crept in and everyone wondered, will there be more? Is this the end? News reports began to come in about other planes as well and the Pentagon, one of the most important military buildings of our nation, had been hit. Without yet knowing who was responsible for this attack, President Bush spoke to a nation from an elementary school where he'd been planning to read books to school children that morning 
And he said that those responsible would be found, and a war over the length of many years would start to hunt down those who were responsible. In the aftermath of that terrible day, unseen numbers of people flooded through the doors of evangelical churches in New York City on September 16th, just days after this horrific event. A well-known uh, congregation in the city, which usually had 2,800 regular attenders, saw over 5,400 people show up on September 16th. There were so many people standing in the congregation, along the walls, down the aisles, out the back, out the door, onto the sidewalks, that the church leadership had to go and say, no, 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 we're sorry, we're going to have another service, come back, please, we, we want you to come back. People were longing to hear what does the gospel have to say about all that has happened to us this past week? I wonder how many of those people who showed up at church that Sunday in the following weeks were searching for peace in the midst of anxiety and trouble and loss. A pastor at that church in New York City said this, for the following year, ministry was just intense. Every meeting and service had more emotion and tears in it than usual. A good number of people started coming to our church after 9-11 and they found Christ evangelism was fruitful. In Philippians 4, Paul says this, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All too often, we revert to fear and anxiety in times of great trouble. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus gives his people a mind-boggling peace, even in a world and a life filled with trouble and anxiety through the power of the Holy Spirit. It really is a mind-boggling peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. What does Paul mean when he says that? I think he's saying that God supplies peace and strength to his people in ways that we can't imagine or comprehend. God gives his peace when we least expect it, and in the moments when we feel like we could never actually receive it. God's peace comes to his people in the moments that seem too hard to bear on our own. If you're a Christian and you've been through hard and difficult times, you know this peace the Spirit of God gladly gives, because we've all felt it at one time or another. This peace of God that the Spirit gladly gives his people is a peace that enables us to sing, Peace like a river attendeth my way, those sorrows like sea billows roll. Think of the words that Jesus said, which are found in John 14. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. God doesn't say work harder or try more and then you'll have peace, but rather God promises us that if we are his followers, his spirit will cultivate this fruit of peace in our lives because we are indeed his new people and we are in Christ and he loves us. God's mind-boggling peace is a gift to his people in troubling and anxious times. I think about the disciples who shortly after Jesus called them, they obediently followed him and they found themselves in a boat and this real life-threatening fear and anxiety would quickly overtake them. You know the story. They're, Jesus is sleeping through this tumultuous storm and the wind and the waves and the thunder and the lightning are tossing this boat all around. And these new followers of Christ are terrified by the trouble that they're facing and they're filled with much anxiety and fear. And they quickly go and they wake Jesus up and they ask, Jesus, don't you even care? Do you, what are you doing sleeping? Don't you even care? Aren't you even worried? that this storm might very well kill us. And you know what happens? You know. Jesus speaks a word or two, and there's calm. And then he looks at his disciples, and he says, Why are you afraid, O you? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
Do you think it was an accident that the disciples found themselves in this storm of nature? I don't think so. Jesus wanted to remind them that even in this storm, that they knew and were in the presence of the one who could speak to the wind and the waves and the rain and the lightning and the wind, peace be still, and all would listen to his voice. After Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples were bewildered and they questioned, who is this man that even the nature, the wind, the sea, the lightning, the waves, that they obey him? I wonder if they wondered. It's not okay to do that all the time, but I wonder if they wondered. If Jesus can bring about peace in this world, in this wild storm of nature, can he bring about peace in my troubled and anxious heart and life? Surely if he has power over nature and he can bring peace within it, he can do the same in my life. A commentator said this, the power of the eternal son protects and guides us with utter reliability, even in great distress. Since Jesus has paid the price for our sinful rebellion and has overcome the powers of Satan and the grip of death, his followers are in good hands, whether at any given moment this results in life or in death. I think far too often when trials and troubles come, we revert to fear and anxiety, or we try to fix whatever problem comes at us. When I receive disappointing news, my first instinct is to panic. All hope is lost. Ah, this is terrible. When I disappoint someone, my first instinct is to, is to defend myself and to say, but you don't really understand. Let me help you. When someone disappoints me, I harbor all kinds of evil thoughts in my heart about them. God wants to hear. God wants to hear from his people. And he gives us in this moment what we need, a peace that surpasses all understanding. He wants to hear from his people. He wants to hear from you and me. And Paul is telling us that we are not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, with our voices and with our prayers, that we are to make our requests known to God. And when we do that, we are promised God's mind-boggling peace. One final thought about this peace that the Spirit of God promises to work in the lives of and give his people. The peace that we receive in times of trouble and anxiety is a witness in the world to the goodness of Jesus. Christians with peace, uh, another person said this, Christians with peace who are not racked by anxiety or driven by ruthless ambition, who are not devastated by failing to get promoted or in despair because of the threat or reality of losing their job, but who rather have an inner peace that flows from trusting God, such people are bearing silent witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are being like Christ and trusting their Heavenly Father in the midst of whatever brings, even the tough things. So by way of summary, Christians are at peace with God through the work of Christ on their behalf. And only when that is true can we begin to strive for real peace with others and have a mind-boggling peace in troubling and anxious times. In the moments before Jesus' arrest and his trial and crucifixion that would come soon after, Jesus found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to his Father in heaven about the great trouble that he knew was coming. In great anxiety and agony, Luke describes Jesus as praying in anguish with tears in his eyes, and his sweat became like, that, like great drops of blood falling to the ground. In this critical moment of redemptive history, Jesus knew great pain and great anxiety. But even in the midst of this terrible moment and the gruesome hours that laid ahead, Jesus called out to his Father in heaven with tears in his eyes, and he received a mind-boggling peace and strength that could only come from his Father in heaven. Even in the hardest moment of human history, Jesus trusted his heavenly father in the midst of whatever life would bring, even if it meant a cross and a humiliating death. My friends, 
Jesus knows. He knows your trouble. He knows your anxiety. And Jesus, our elder brother, he shows us the way to call out to our Father in heaven who calms the storms and the waves and the, uh, the waves of nature and the storms and the waves of life and who gladly gives us the grace and the peace that we need to walk through the hardest moments of life. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning that, that you have indeed spoken to us through your word. Your word is active and it's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we confess this morning, we are a people who feel anxiety and trouble, and we are people who long for peace. Lord, we pray that you would give us the peace that only your spirit knows, and that we would be people who love to make peace in the places and the spaces around us. We pray this all in the, in the name of Jesus. Amen.